0: Ladies and gentlemen, it's your host, Andre Norman. Day one, Securus Originals. We are back in the building. We're here. And today, we have a phenomenal guest. I'm saying, we're just going to go down the line and we're going to break this down because this is super important. This brother, this man, has a story that is going to actually change the dynamics of how you think of what is possible. So, Without further ado, I need you to introduce yourself to the people.
1: What's up, man? So um, I'm Trail uh, Dunk Webb. And I say Dunk, Dr. Dunk. I just got my doctorate. So shout out to uh, Global University for that. But I'm, I'm Trail Webb. I'm from Baton Rouge, Louisiana. And I'm a servant. I'm a servant that really beat the odds of where I come from. I come from Louisiana uh, down south, like one of the worst places, it is down south across the track. It's where I saw a lot. Um, come from a single parent, single parent home, um, and yeah, that's where I grew up. At I grew up in Louisiana, man. I'm from Louisiana. I'm a father of five. I'm a uh, husband of an amazing wife, Tia. Um, I get a chance to travel to where I'm a pastor. I'm a speaker. Um, but most of all, I'm a servant. I serve people. I get a chance to go back and serve some of the places. Go back where, in where? Uh, the struggle. The struggle. The prisons. The projects. The streets. Um, I come from a music family. My brother Boosie. You probably heard of the rapper Boosie. Yeah. So I get a chance. Yeah. So I get a chance to be an example for the industry. The struggle of what change look like. What beating the odds You No, know like. what's crazy. Yeah, my son has a
0: picture, a little boozy. I don't know what, As his like, little on his WhatsApp. Yeah, he has his picture up. I'm like, dude, that's my no man. I'm like, why? Why? I turn on your, I click on you. Yeah. I want to see you. Yeah. He's not. Nah. He got yeah. a little boozy on there.
1: <laughs> that's my man, man. Sister's kid. So I say brothers. uh, We grew up in the same house. Got you. Grew up in the same household. Um, Like I say, I'm from Baton Rouge, Louisiana. Um, End up doing time at 15 years old. I was sentenced. Can I run it? You got, at 15, what happened? At 15 years old, hanging with the wrong crowd, man. I was charged with murder, two counts of armed robbery, and I was sent to Angola. I was sentenced to- Hold on up. You catch some cases? Catch some cases. You around the wrong people, or were you the wrong person? So I think I was, I was, I, I stuck to this fake code and didn't tell. I'm from the neighborhood, and in our neighborhood, it was known for murders, armed robbers, and things like that. So a couple of us got picked up, and I thought that if I just be quiet, I'd come home. And so my parents didn't have no money to get the right representation. Like we grew up eating serve sandwiches; it was bad. Boosie wasn't no rapper then, like so it was hard, man. So I'm thinking that if I get once I go to the jail. If I just keep it real and don't open my mouth, because I really didn't know that I was gonna come home. And it didn't happen like that. I ended up going to the county jail, the Paris prison, but I just stuck to this code and didn't even try to talk or nothing. I ended up in trial with a public pretender. And if you've been a you know, you've been I know trial. How they you go. know, you know how they go. Yeah, so I went to trial with a public pretender and we lost.
0: So you're sitting in court. You're in jail thinking you're going home. Mm-hmm. What did the judge give you? Now I got sentenced to life plus 90 years in prison. Stop right there. What do you think when they tell you life plus 90?
1: This how I know God real. Because my mindset was so, my mindset was so messed up, like street wise and culture wise, like where I came from to where breaking wasn't a thing for me. Like, I knew I had to stand up there and not crack. So I, my family passed out. My mama fainted in the courtroom. It was me and my father. They just grabbed us and took us to the back. All I can think about was I'm about to go in this jail. I'm about to make an example out of somebody. I'm about to go stab stuff. Like, I'm I'm about to live because all I'm thinking now is the rest of my life, I'm about to spin in then go. I was angry. It didn't hit me. That I'm never coming home because in Louisiana, there's no parole after 20. There's no chance of coming home. So I was really sent sentenced to die. I was sent there to die, man, and my mindset was messed up like this this is it for me. So I got to do what I got to do. For one, I was so little to where I heard all of these stories on the block of Angola. You get raped. They come through the wall and all of this stuff. And so I knew I'm about to be a man. So the first thing I'm about to do is I'm about to go here and stab something because I got to make a name out of myself. was already fighting in the parish where I was. I already had a name for that. And so once we lost in trial, it was just all bad. I didn't, I, home and freedom was out. And so I was lost. So I remember going back to the cell. This was the first time I literally cried since I was in, in jail. And I remember I cried and, my dad came, saw me the next day before they shipped me out. My dad was a, a man of faith, and he told me something. He said, son, he said that he prayed the night before coming here, and God told him that I would not serve that time. But I didn't understand it, but that's something that just stuck with me. That's the only hope I had throughout the whole time of my journey. And so they shipped me out from the parish to hunts around everybody who had all of this time. And they put me on this white bus and sent me to Angola down this long street like I'm handcuffed to people who got and three hundred and seven years for all of us had a lot of time. And I ended up on this street that got it go to one sign that say LSP Angola State Prison. And we got on this bus and they got us off the bus and housed us on death row for a day.
0: You make it to your dorm. Yeah. What are you thinking while you're sitting on death row for that day? Let's go back to you're on death row at intake. Mm-hmm. That's the craziest intake I've ever heard of. Mm-hmm. You're in intake slash death row. Mm-hmm. What are you thinking? You got a, hundred, you got a life plus 90. Mm-hmm. You're sitting on death row, and you're thinking what? I'm thinking
1: this way I'm going to die. It. Like this it. Like reality set in. Like I'm never going home. What was the hardest thing that you had to face sitting in that cell on death row? That I've screwed my life up. That I'd never see my mom again. That I'd never be able to be free. It's like all this gangster stuff just went out the window. It's like all the hope was sucked out of me. It's like my heart stopped beating. It's like, what in the world I done got myself into? Where am I at? I remember just sitting there and all I was was a number. Three, six, one, six, eight, six. While you're sitting there and the
0: hope is sucked out of the room mm-hmm. and you're just like, this is unreal, I'm going to die here, never see my mom again and mm-hmm. never see the hood again and all the rest of this stuff, where did accountability come in? I prayed. No, no, no. The accountability for the stuff that you did, the ownership of how you got there. You say, where
1: did it come in? Yeah. Do you take any accountability or ownership Most definitely. over your situation? Most definitely Personally? I, I looked at myself and told myself the wrong things that I did. That got the behavior that I was living and the lifestyle that I was living caused me to be on death row. Not what I was in there for, but the way that I was living, the choices that I made caused me to end up in that situation sitting on death row.
0: So, how do you, you reconcile? You understood the choices I made mm-hmm. got me here. But now you got two pencils mm-hmm. ready
1: to go stab somebody. Right. You about to do it again. But I was doing this because I, it was survival mode for me. Like I had to survive. I'm not knowing where I'm about to go in. I just remember the stories that the old heads would tell me.
0: So the stories got you shook.
1: Yes, because I'm knowing they came home. Some of them came home, and they would tell me how people would bust through the wall to get people to rape them in stabbings was taking place angola was one of the bloodiest prisons one of the biggest prisons at the time and so i meant i had to survive and on the inside i'm sorry for everything i did but i meant that i was gonna stand up and be a man so that was my survival mode to have those two pencils because i'm i'm not knowing where i'm about now to looking go. back now yeah do you really think them two pencils are going to do you any good? <laughs> no. If there's a young boy
0: on death row talking about, I got two pencils. Now <laughs> no. I'm laughing. I did no. 14, right? Yeah. If there's a dude down on on intake with two pencils, talk about he going to hold it down, yeah. we would be in the block. You might kill somebody in laughter. Dude might bust his liver oh. laughing at this little dude down on death row with yeah. two pencils talking about he going to take over Angola. Yeah, and It sounds crazy now, yes, don't it?
1: Yes, as I look back at it, because as I started doing time and I did, Joe's in there. Um, I look back over that day a lot of times and laugh. Like what those two pencils was going to do. <laughs> it wasn't going to do nothing.
0: But in your mind, that's all you that's had. That's all I had to work with. Now, in reality, yeah. in that moment, you thought it's all you had to work with. Mm-hmm. If you could talk to that 15-year-old about to be 16 sitting on death row, mm-hmm. what would you tell him to do with the pencils?
1: Put the pencils down and do what? And write. I would tell them to put the pencils down now and and reflect, write down and reflect over everything that it took to get me there and see what will be my next move. Like the time that I wasted in there trying to live up to a reputation that the world had gave me, it became dead time that I can't get back. And so I tell that that person that's young like that, that it's not how you start, it's how you finish Like, that was big for me. Like, once I understood that this is not the end, once I understood that I can make something out of myself, even though, even though I had all of this time. Like, my rap sheet read, never coming home. I got my rap sheet. It was just nothing but zeros. There wasn't no out But I learned how to pray in there. So I tell a young person right then to pray that it worked.
0: There's a young dude right now. Sitting in that same cell, mm-hmm. but he holding one of these. Mm-hmm. And he holding two pencils.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And he's like, yo, I'm 16. Hopefully they're up to age by now, but I'm a young boy. Right. He heard the stories that you heard. Mm-hmm. He about to walk down that hallway, and he's trying to figure it out. Mm-hmm. All the noises sound foreign. Everything sounds nervous and scary. Mm-hmm. And to you, everything's just like, is this the end? Every noise, is this the end? Yeah. Is this my time? They're looking at you on this right now, mm-hmm. sitting in intake. Because mm-hmm. I know prisons that give these out at oh, intake. Definitely.
1: I see them. Yeah.
0: You come to intake, they hand you a tablet. Yeah. So I need you looking right there in that camera. Mm-hmm. Two things. You can speak to them first and then pray for them, mm-hmm. or you can pray for them first and then speak to them. Okay. But to that young boy or young girl who's sitting in intake with whatever amount of time. Mm-hmm.
1: So this is what I want to do. I want to speak to you first. Because I understand, listen, your words are powerful. Death and life is in the power of the tongue. And those who indulge in it shall live off of it. One of the things that I learned in penitentiary was it's not about penitentiary. It's about pay attention. It's not about how hard you are. It's about what you're gaining from what it is that you're walking through. Listen to me. I'm an example that is... Nothing changes. Nothing changes. I was sentenced to life plus 90 years at 15 years old. And one of the things that I did was I had to stop, look, and listen. I had to stop for a moment and see what it was that brought me to this point. The same thing that I'm asking you to do. Stop for a second just to see, like, okay, what decisions, what choices did I make to get me to where I'm at now looking at this pad? Then I had to listen. I had to weed out everything this where the pay attention coming to place. I had to weed out everything that I thought was truthful, and I, had to we- and I had to weigh it. Like, was it real and was it not? And I had to listen, and then I had to respond. I had to respond in a way that can bring me the blessings. And what I did was I stood on my faith like God is really real. I don't care what it is that you're doing, if you can stop, and you can be truthful and tell God, you know what, God, I'm open for you to bless my life. That's what I did. And then one day I was in the cell. I was reading a newspaper. It says two Baton Rouge teen sentence and conviction overturned. It was my name in the newspaper. I'm telling you by experience. But what I had to do was I had to line up with the obedience and start living out what it is that I was praying for. I had to stop fighting. I had to stop being, like, defiant with the COs. I had to stop indulging in wrong conversations and line my life up with the right thing. And then I saw my appeal. Then I saw my case get overturned. So I'm encouraging you. Hey, I'm an example of it. Now I get a chance to travel the world experiencing things. The last thing before I pray, you have to see yourself from where you're going, from where you're at right now, looking at this pad. One of the greatest things that I learned to do was walk that yard and I will watch the planes go past and I would speak to them. I will speak that I will be in Atlanta, speak that I would be in the Bahamas, speak that I'll be in Canada, going all of these places. I will see myself from the struggle where I was. And now here I am. I'm experiencing that. I'm telling you this because if I can do it, you can protection. do it. And so I want to pray with you real quick. Let us pray. Father God, I just say thank you. I pray that each and every person that is watching this right now, whether they watch it now or at a later date, years from now, that something will be said from my story that will be able to impact and help that person. You that's watching this, that if you can put God before any sentence, before any case, if you can attach faith to your appeal like I did in the midst of everything, remember, it wasn't no money that got me out. It was God. I put my faith with your faith right now that you will see the full manifestation of what your faith doing. Thank you. Now brother,
0: yep. You go in, yep. Day 1, death row. Mhm. Day 1, two pencils. Mhm. Day 1, no hope. Mm-hmm. Day 1, no faith. Right. What's your day 1 becoming a believer?
1: I come from a family of
0: faith. Yeah, but it didn't stop you from going to the penitentiary. Right. So when did you decide
1: that I'm going to go with what they've been trying to teach me since birth? I sit in the cell, and my father partner come to me one day. He say, dunk. This was a turning point for me, Dre. My father partner say, dunk, if we're ever going to get out of here, he say, you got to pray. And I remember looking up at him, and I told him, man, I, I don't know how to pray. Because I used to see all of these pastors on TV using these big old sophisticated words, and I, I didn't know any. So I didn't think that I can come to God. He was like, no, nah, no. Nah. He was like, you got to come to God the way you are, from your heart. And for me, it, 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 it stuck something because he said, you got to use faith. Faith is something that man can do for you. And for me, that hit because I started praying for 10 years' credit for time served, And I started praying for this high-priced lawyer named Lenny Perez. Lenny Perez charged $500,000 to take your case. And like I told you, we come from the struggle, man. Serve Sam, we didn't have no money. And I used to pray for 10 years' credit for time served because in Louisiana you get half of your time. And those two things I used to pray for. And one day I sent my father, who was a man of faith, to Lenny Perez. Lenny Perez took my case for free. That changed the narrative of my life. That was the turning point that let me know that faith can move mountains if I doubt not. And I went back to trial. When I went back to trial, he say, they got some good news and some bad news. Which one you want to hear first? And if you're from where I'm from, Dre, you know how it goes. Give me the bad news. Give me the bad. Because if I can handle the bad, he say, the bad news is they're coming at you with a best interest plea, plea bargain. I'm like, what is it? And he had, like, this long white hair. He was like, they're coming at you with... 10 years credit for time served. This was the two things that I would pray for. So I took the 10 years credit for time served. So I asked him, Well, what's the good news? He was like, Well, the good news is, Mr. Webb, we can beat him. I'm like, Well, we're not going to try. So I took the (laughs) 10 and I came home. So we still in Louisiana. Yeah, I came home 60 days later. Um, Did your fall partner come home too? Both of us. My fellow partner came home with me. We did 60 days. We both came home as a best interest plea. Came home at this time, boosted this big old rapper. We toured the world. And then in the midst of that, God stopped me. He said, I want you to stop. I'm going to send you every place y'all went in, every prison you ever been locked up in, to bless people and tell them about me. And I haven't stopped since. My calendar been booked up preaching the gospel ever since, changing lives impact in the industry they saw what happened with my life they watched me come home from prison the guys in angola and all the people in louisiana they watch what happened with Dunk. those that are watching this they know they're watching what have happened with my life and now i get a chance to be the example not only for the prisons but the streets too to see that you can't you don't have to die in the streets you don't have to die in prison there is a greater way i'm into real estate like I said, I'm a pastor. I'm a speaker. I'm a father. My wife used to be my getaway driver. Now she's. Hold one on, you not top- to say all that. No, you ain't let me go deep. <laughs> no, 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 I I got that part right. <laughs> I wanted to go pick her up. <laughs> you be ministering so, man, to your wife in prison. Yep. So I'm an example um, for someone that's watching this, Dre. That you can finish strong. Like you can finish strong. I'm an example of that. So.
0: So what did you study, other than the Bible and praying?
1: During the time that you was in. And so for me, for me, I wasn't a great reader. I grabbed that word, that Bible. Like I read some of the Donna Goins books. I read um, some of the coldest is ever. like I read some of those in my stink while I was in there. But once I grabbed that word of God, it changed me from the inside out. It built my faith. Once I heard faith coming by hearing and hearing the word of God and I needed faith to move this mountain to get me out, it wasn't no money got me out. I applied the faith to my life and I saw my case get overturned. I saw them give me life plus 90 years and my case get overturned. And so I fell in love with the word of God. What's your favorite scripture? Uh, Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ that strengthens me. And you're doing it. And I'm doing it, Dre. So we got folks who are watching yeah, who might not be
0: believers. Most definitely. They might not be even spiritual.
1: Most definitely.
0: But they're still struggling. Yeah. So I don't know if there's a secular word or something minus, you know what I'm saying? Because in the beginning, you couldn't pay somebody to come near me who had been anything religious. Because I had triggers yeah. around religious people mm-hmm. for a multitude of reasons. I did not like religious people. So that, what you just said, would have went to everybody in the dorm but me.
1: Most definitely.
0: Because all I know church dudes to be is no good. Most definitely. So everything you just said, I'm not with at all. Yes. And damn they don't like you Mm -hmm. because you rocking with God and God's people I ain't rocking with. Mm -hmm. So what do you say to them?
1: And this is why I love what God have done with me, Dre, because I go – I love everybody. I get a chance to reach everybody. This is why, though, there's a difference between religionship and relationship. Religionship has bondage. That means that there's a certain people that you're meant to reach and touch and serve and love, where the relationship with the Holy Spirit is different. That's where the power is. The power is meant for me to where I don't care if you're a Muslim, Buddhist. I don't care if you're atheist or whatever. I love you. I'm here to serve you. And it's the love that conquers all. So that separates the church person and dunk. I'm not like that. I'm vibing with everybody. I'm not trying to beat the Bible across your head. I'm just telling you what happened with me. And so I tell that person that's again, the religion ship and the religion is where the bondage is. There's no power there. The covenant is in the blood of Love and whatever there's love at, it conquers a multitude. So, I tell that person that if you can love in spite of, that's where the freedom at. And what they seeing with my life, the way that I'm able to reach everybody and go in these places and serve, no matter what your religion is, because I'm coming in love. I'm coming to give, not take. Your day one home. Mm-hmm. When you walked out, when he, you read the paper. Mm-hmm. You can
0: now read the paper on this, by the way. Right. But you read the paper, and it says, yo, you're going home. Yeah. Then your lawyer tells you about the deal. Right. You sign the papers, and you physically walk out of the courthouse. Mm -hmm. What are you thinking? What are you
1: feeling? I remember, man. I just, it was like unreal because I stayed in there like seven and a half years, and I never saw nobody go home. So for them to call me out that dome and a dome to where nobody go home, everybody die there, that my job was in the field, digging the graves, that if you die in the prison, it's our job to put your box in there and cover you with the dirt. For them to call me and let me out of that prison, I just broke down and cried because I never thought this day was going to come. And just I remember that. I vowed that I'd never go back there again in my life. Your job was to dig the graves. We would dig graves. They got a place called B-Land. And my job, well, our job working in the field was we would dig the holes. And if you die in prison and your family then forgot about you, nine times out of ten it is, our job is to bury you there. So you will see the horse carriage come by, you will have your two friends or something that was tight with you in prison that you done done jokes with, and we will cover your grave up. That's what they do in Angola. So when you're looking at this box mm-hmm. the first time. Yes.
0: And you're burying somebody. As you're sitting there with life plus 90. Mm-hmm. What are you
1: thinking? That one day this going to be me. That one day this could be me. If I stay in here long enough because everybody leave everybody that's in there. And one day this could be my life. That's all I used to think. Standing here now.
0: Mm-hmm. What do you think? I'm grateful. Why you? Why? Of all the people mm-hmm. in Angola, mm-hmm. of all the people sitting in the penitentiary, mm-hmm. of all the people mm-hmm. you know I'm saying who didn't do it, who were still
1: inside, mm-hmm. why you? Because I have a purpose. I have a purpose. I've been sent with a pur- I was birthed with a purpose to walk through the fire to go through all these trials and tribulations to come back and help somebody else. So did your connection come when you finally discovered your purpose? Yes. When I finally understood what I'm supposed to be doing, that's when the provision came. That's when the blessings came. That's when I have never went without in my life since then. That's when the doors of opportunity came. That's when me sitting in the seat came. That's when me meeting you came. All of this is happening because I'm operating in my purpose. My purpose is to love, serve, and soul. And that's what I'm doing every chance I get. And I'm enjoying the ride.
0: We got to give a shout-out to our brothers in Dallas.
1: Yep. Shout-out to Brewster. Shout-out to Brewster and all those in Dallas. Bruce Wayne. Yep.
0: Brewster. You know what I'm saying? That's how I found you.
1: Yep. That's how we connected. Yep. Yep. Real brothers, man. And that's what I live for, to be able to connect these dots like this because – For someone that's watching this, when I was in prison, if I had that pad, man, it would have been so many days that I wish that I had this. Like, it's so many people in jails that I go in now, they don't have this. That they wait for me and other people to come in there different days just to get hope that can carry them for three months. To have this every day? What we have here is our book club. Okay.
0: And it's simple for me. This is my buddy, Jim Do. All these books are friends of mine. Okay. This is my friend, Jim Do. Solid guy. Mm-hmm. You ever have a guy that's cheer for you, that's like really roots for you, They always pull up on you, yeah. want you to do good, no matter what the circumstance is? Mm-hmm. For me, that's Jim. Every time Jim see me, it's like, Dre wants you to do better. Mm-hmm. Dre wants you to do better because I want you to help more people. Mm-hmm. And he's concerned. He says, you help so many people, I want to make sure that you're good. In yes. his book, he's a financial planner. Used to be a teacher. I love teachers. Shout out to all the teachers. Then he became a financial planner. And the name of his book is Beyond Million. Beyond a Million. He's talking about finances. Mm-hmm. You're talking about souls. Yeah. So I want you to read this book and it's Beyond a Million. Appreciate it. Most definitely. I look forward to it. This is this is us. Yes. So ladies and gentlemen, live from day one. Yeah. Only on Securus Originals. Yeah. Only on the J-Pay platform. We coming to you yes. straight from Baton Rouge. Louisiana. Louisiana.
1: Yeah.
0: I'm saying by way of Angola. Yes. By way of which one? Philippians 4? Philippians 4.13. By way of Philippians 4.13.
1: We are in the building. Give them the scripture again. Philippians 4.13. I could do all things, not some things, all things through Christ that strengthens me. You heard it. Yeah. We stopping right there because you can't
0: get bigger than the word of God. Gentlemen, ladies, my brother. don't appreciate you. Appreciate you. We'll pull up. Go to the warden. Go to the su- superintendent. See your program director. He already on a mission, man. I'm going to ride with you. Let's do it. I'm saying we're going to go do, do it, this man. in real time.
1: Let's do it. My Done place. deal.
0: Yeah. We'll see you soon. Hold it down to next week.